Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus the Christ. You may be seated. So now, faith, hope, and love abide. These three. But the greatest of these is love. Throughout this Advent season, we've been examining these three so-called theological virtues of the Christian faith. We've sought to clarify what they are and what they aren't, and what they mean for our lives in the here and now, and what makes them the best out of all the many gifts of the Holy Spirit. We've seen that faith is like a title or a deed, the evidence that what is unseen is in fact true. We've defined hope as more than a vain wish or a mere desire, but rather a sure and certain future reality waiting to be revealed. But faith, as we heard, is no longer needed when there is sight. And hope hopes for an end. The very nature of hope is to be realized. And so the time will come when these two gifts, for as wonderful as they are, will give way to that which never ends, to love. That's why the greatest of these is love. So just what is love anyway? We use the word love in so many different ways. We use it figuratively to describe a very strong liking of something or a taste for something, an enjoyment like, I love waffles or I love hunting. We use it to express our allegiance and loyalty to sports teams. I love the Vikings. Still, even this year. We use it to show friendship. I love you, man. And of course, we use it to declare our affection for and our commitment to our spouse or significant other. All of this reflects that there are at least three different words in the Greek language for love. We're at a disadvantage in English. We only have just the one word. We have to use the one word for all of these different things. In Greek, the word eros is the word for romantic love and sexual attraction. The word philia is the word for friendship, as in phil adelphia, the city of brotherly adelphos, love, philia. Both of these terms are used in the Scriptures, but neither of them is the most frequently used in the Scriptures, nor are they the most important out of the different words for love. The third and most frequent and most important is agape. This is the word that stands for unconditional self-giving, sacrificial care and concern for others. The idea that one will do anything, even to the point of death, for the benefit 
of another. And this is the kind of love Paul is speaking about in 1 Corinthians 13, and it's the kind of love that John writes about in his first epistle. John's three letters are fine examples of a pastor and shepherd exercising care for the flock entrusted to him. John writes to a congregation that is hurting. They're experiencing worry and fear, sorrow and pain, division and strife. In this first letter, John makes a number of references to antichrists, those who are not of us, those who went out from us. These are the people who had forsaken Christ and denied Him in favor of false teachings, who broke fellowship with the congregation and with the whole church, and who were seeking to persuade others to do the same. They turned to the world and its lies, promises, comforts, and hopes. John calls them children of the devil because they have believed his lies and gone after him and because they have no true love for God nor for their brothers, the church. He says that they hate the brotherhood that is the church and therefore they are murderers because they have destroyed the unity within Christ's body. They have brought death where Christ had given life. And no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. The congregation was hurting. It had been torn apart. Pastor John needed to remind them who they were. He needed to comfort them with the truth of God's Word and encourage them to steadfast faith in the face of testing. He makes clear that those who belong to Christ have been delivered out of death to life. The blood of Jesus is the propitiation of our sin. His death is the full payment that our guilt required. This is true love. That God loved us so much that He gave His only Son to die that we might live. He gave up everything for us. His blood purifies us from all of our sin and we have an advocate with the Father, one to speak on our behalf and defend us. This love of Christ unites us in one body, in one family, in which we live out Christ's love in giving ourselves freely to one another and for one another. So stay strong. Love one another. Confess the faith you've been given. Don't turn your back on your Savior or on His bride. Strengthen one another. Love your brothers. Our love is too often 
imperfect. It is shallow and self-serving. It falls short and causes wounds and pain. We usually see it the most clearly when a marriage is broken. It's a little harder to see when the church is broken. And yet how often do we hear people say things like, I believe in Jesus, but I have no time for the church. I don't trust organized religion. I like Christ, but I don't like Christians. You don't have to go to church to go to heaven, you know. My faith is a private matter. I can exercise it however I want. I can worship God just as well on the golf course or on the lake as I can in the sanctuary. But do you hear how all of these statements have a subtle way of tearing the church apart? Of leading to death where Christ has brought life. It is simply impossible to love Jesus and yet hate his bride. That's the point that John is making in his epistle. If you love Jesus, you will love the church. God has shown his love to us, true love in giving his son that we may live. He has changed us. He's called us and made us his own children, washed by the blood, purified from sin, and united with one another inseparably in the one body of Christ. And as St. Paul says so poetically in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, love never ends. Love never ends. And that's God's love for us in Christ. It is perfect. It will not fail. Rather, He will lift us up when we fall. He will forgive us when we go astray. He'll heal our divisions and unite us once again so that we may love one another with the very love with which God has loved us. And that love will never end either. Even when Christ returns, when our faith has become sight, and when our hope has been realized, we will still have love. Love then will be the substance of our entire life when we have been perfected in glory. We will only love. So that's something we can start practicing now within the church, during Advent and beyond, as we live our lives in faith and hope for the fulfillment of all things. Love is truly the greatest. Love never ends. Amen. The peace of God that passes all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.